Hey everyone, it's Kristen. Just me today. Sarah is uh, unavailable for the next few days. She'll be available starting the 23rd. So I'm going to be filling in with episodes on my own. We had a regular episode scheduled for today, but the audio didn't line up and it was just too choppy. And I'm sorry, but we're going to re-record it on the 23rd. So hold on to your butts because we've got another dating question. So this letter is about a topic that I feel is very, very, very important. And a lot of times we do not listen to our gut when these small signs of abuse pop up. And abuse is uh, any kind of abuse. It's very insidious in that it, it can lie dormant for a very long time until an abuser is ready to sort of, uh, to unleash it. And that's what I think is going on in today's letter. So I'll start now. I have been on a few dates with a man. On our first date, we met up for breakfast, but ended up hanging out together for the next 24 hours. He wanted to know everything about me in this time, my past relationships, family, what I want in the future, etc. Details regarding things that people generally would not discuss on a first date. He also asked about my children's father and wanted to know details on this too. Because I am a pretty honest and upfront person, it was not entirely offensive to me, and we had some really fabulous discussions. I let him know quite a bit about myself and my past. Although he seemed a bit eager, I am also somewhat intense, so I did not get too alarmed. Second date, we met for dinner and then ended up hanging out until 5 p.m. the next day. He brought me coffee in bed, and we chatted for hours upon hours. Actually, we stayed in bed until well after 2 p.m., and he even canceled a work meeting. I did not ask him to do that, just noticed he did, so mentioning it. That evening, I had also met a few of his friends before we left dinner, and he put his hand on my arm while we were chatting with them. He will often reach out to hold or caress my arm hand in public. Again, when we spent time privately together, He wanted all of my details and past and secrets. Really intense conversation. He shared some of his past heartbreak and even cried a little to me while I held his hand. There is an intimate emotional connection. We have slept together, and over the next weekend, he also went for a walk with me and my daughter to the park and invited us back to his house so that she could play with his dog and instruments. He is a music teacher. He wrote me a few minutes after we left to tell me how amazing she is and how He believes I am a fabulous mother. Also, though, I need to say that he told me the first time we spent time together that he sometimes uses beautiful women to feel good about himself. He has also lamented about a relationship that ended suddenly for him a few months ago and told me how lonely he has been. We also realized we have a friend in common when we were on our first date, and he stated that he was going on a date with her next week, though he never did go on a date, nor has he seen anyone else. I myself am a teacher, but I am also a single parent and have a lot of past history. I find his behavior very confusing and impulsive and told him that I do not want to be someone's stepping stone. I also told him that I believe he may have a little too much going on emotionally and asked him for some space and not to contact me for a bit. 
This felt awful to me, but perhaps necessary for my emotional safety. I'm getting mixed feelings in my gut. He is coming on very strongly, but also making statements that indicate to me he really just needs a friend. Problem is, he's someone I could really, really like if I allowed myself, but I'm scared that he may be simply flighty, immature, and unsure of what he wants. Also, that I may, I may simply make him feel good about himself because I'm a single parent, etc., and he is a professor. He seems to have a bit of ego savior complex. Maybe like he is slumming it with me. This could be my insecurity, though. I'm a very logical person and can cut off ties pretty easily if I need to, but can't tell if I'm being irrational, cutting him out because of my past abuse, or if my gut, which says to cut him out quick, like right now before he can hurt me, is right and he is emotionally unhealthy. I suppose I am wondering if cutting off contact is an appropriate response to this, and why the hell does he behave so emotionally erratic, bringing up children and marriage, etc. in the first few dates? but also telling me about women who hurt him recently. Is he crazy or am I, or are we both age 33? And the man is 37. So the first thing that I want to say is she's not crazy. Anybody in a situation like this who wonders, is this, did this really happen? Am I crazy? What's going on? You're not crazy. You are having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. <laughs> and this situation is absolutely abnormal. And I'm going to go through the signs here. So the first, the first sign that something might be off is that you already have a history of abuse. And, you know, a lot of times people will say things like, well, you know, they keep going for the same type of people. So, you know, I don't feel bad for them. You know, doesn't do, don't they learn? Here's the thing about that. <laughs> and that's something I totally used to say. And, and I'm an abuse survivor. The thing about that is we tend to seek out what we know and what we believe is normal or what we're comfortable with. And there. There is that, it's called the comfortable uncomfortable zone (laughs) in that it's not, it's not easy. You know, there is a lot of conflict or chaos or toxicity, but that's what we know. That's what we were raised around. You know, if you were raised in a family with caregivers that were very inconsistent with their attention and affection, then it makes sense that you will end up with a partner who's very inconsistent with their attention and affection because you're recreating that dynamic. That's very normal. And that's what we know. It's what we're drawn to. So, and, and the thing is, is that a lot of people, they don't know how to fix it. You know, they might want to, but they, they don't know how. So keep in mind that when you have a history of abuse, it's not uncommon to end up in situations where you're repeating the same pattern. You know, we've, again, and we've also talked about that, the repetition compulsion, where we, for whatever reason, and the reasons are for everybody is different, are different, but you recreate a dynamic. Maybe it's because of, it's what you know, or maybe because you're trying to fix it. You're, you're, you go through it. It's like Groundhog Day where you're just trying to get it right finally and maybe break the cycle. So 
if you know you have a history of abuse and you're in a situation where you're kind of feeling a little curious, take a step back and, and try to get some objectivity. The second sign, and this guy literally, it's just like he's, he's the embodiment of it. They're a walking outlier, <laughs> meaning everything they do strays from the norm. You know, and, and it started with a, a, a breakfast first date. You know, and, and that happens. Sometimes people just have tough schedules and, you know, she's a parent and it's difficult to find time, but it's, it's different. It's definitely different. So you have the, the breakfast first date, uh, you have the, um, you know, the, the questions on a first date about, uh, about her, about her ex, the, the deep personal conversations, and other things in the letter, you know, I'll point, I'll point these out as we go along, but there are other things about this guy that automatically make him stand out as straying from the norm, straying from the baseline. But again, if you have a history of this, if you have a history of being in relationships with people who act atypically or behave atypically, or if they progress in an atypical manner, you don't know that it's atypical because this is what you know. So they're a walking outlier. That's another one. If they, if they stray from the norm, make note of that. If they pry, and I, can, I think Sarah and I mentioned this when we were talking about Big Little Lies. They showed, I think it was in the, one of the final episodes, they show Perry and Celeste on one of, I think, their first date. And he asked something, something like, you know, are you, are you an only child? Or he did something, asked something about her family and she tells him, no, you know, it's just me. And I think her parents were also dead at, at that point. Now, abusers tend to want, they want to know how easy is this person going to be to manipulate? So somebody who has a lot of entanglements, who has a, a strong support system, Somebody basically who's going to have people say that someone's going to pull them aside and say, something's not right here. I don't like this person. So this guy um, wants to know, like, is the, is the father in the picture? That's strange. It's none of his business. And if you notice, you know, she sort of says, I wasn't that thrown off by it. So she was thrown off by it a little, but not enough to not answer it. But there was still something there that said, mm, this feels off. Um, the, the questions, there are, there really are appropriate and inappropriate questions. And for a first and second date, when they're trying to get a sense of, you know, how many close people, how many people do you have in your life that are close? You know, what's your relationship like with this one? That could be because they want to be the only one. Are they going to have to share you? And they may not be down for that, which is unhealthy. Uh, okay. <laughs> they move at lightning speed. They cram all the milestones in. Second date, she's already meeting his friends. Now, I don't know if that was by accident or planned or what, but typically somebody with somebody with a sort of a, a sketchy history, they're going to want to woo you very quickly and get you in and pull you in and, so that you don't see what's going on. 
mean, the whole the whole point of an abuser, really, whether it's a narcissistic abuser, physical, sexual, it's really is about it's about keeping you off balance and, and making you question your own your own reality and making you more m- more vulnerable. So this guy is oh, and they're spending twenty four hours together on the on the second date and. You know, he canceled a work meeting, which I'm completely side eyeing. <laughs> I don't think there was a work meeting, but that something like that will probably make her feel very special. So e- either he didn't have a work meeting at all, or whatever it was, like maybe a date. Uh, he's trying to make her feel special. Oh, look, see, I'm I'm canceling. I mean, how would you feel if someone you just met canceled something work related? <laughs> Wouldn't you think, hmm, that's a little irresponsible. I mean, I'm great and everything, but there's, you know, that's, that's not something that you do. So he's moving very, very quickly and he's telling her all about, he, you know, he's, he, oh, he's telling her all about his past and there's a reason for that. You know, he's telling her about his pain and his hurt and there's a reason for that and we'll get to it. So the next one is they do their research she says, oh, he's asking me all about my past and, you know, all these intimate questions and telling he wants me to know my secrets. Yeah, he's doing his research so he can, he's, he's filling the arsenal so that when you buck that person, when, they, when you buck them, when you say no, or when you stand up to them or when you call them out, they know exactly where to hit you, to weaken you, and to make you vulnerable. They're doing it because they, they need to know how to push your buttons. That's how they control you. That's another way they, sh- they control you is what I, what I should say. They need to know how to bring you down. And they do that when they feel like you're getting too close to the truth. So the next one is, here we go. They play on your sympathy. You know, he, oh, somebody hurt me in my past and oh, the tears and the, give him an Academy Award for Christ's sake. He's doing it to, to make her feel bad for him. He's, he's pulling her in deeper and deeper and deeper. And he's, notice how quickly he's been able to do this. And, And it's to make her feel like there's this really deep emotional connection because once you feel that bond, once you feel bonded to somebody, it's, it's, a, it's a false sense of security in this situation. But once you feel bonded with somebody and once you're with someone, you do feel safer. You do feel like, oh, someone's got my back. But in this case, it's a false sense of security because she doesn't really know him. And honestly, it, it almost feels a little, uh, it's uneven, because it seems like he knows far more about her than she knows about him. Uh, here's a really big one, and this is the one that that made the hairs on my neck stand up. When he was talking about, when she mentioned the his her daughter. Now, the next sign to look for is they insinuate themselves into your life. You know, again, here's another outlier. He wants to meet her daughter. How often does that happen when somebody, when you're just dating them, does somebody want to meet your child or your friends or your family? You know, typically eh, a couple months go by, especially with a child. I mean, a child, I mean, a year could go by before some people are ready for that. That's a very big step that most parents take very, very seriously. And I'm so, I'm sure she does too. 
But in this situation, she feels, again, she feels a sense of security that uh, normally I don't think, I think it was anybody else. If anybody else hadn't groomed her and that's exactly what he was doing, I don't think she would have done that. So, and grooming that too. He brings the daughter over so that she can play with his instruments and his dog. That's where I, that's where I got that knot in my stomach. And that, that's a knot, it was a knot that I would feel anytime I would have to be around my abuser. And it was awful. And I don't even know how to say this. It's just so terrible. It's, it's, he's grooming. He's grooming both of them. That's what's scary. And grooming is when you, you know, you, you, uh, use gifts and attention and affection to make somebody more pliable and and to make someone feel more obligated to you. A lot of times abusers, you know, this is why so many times nobody says anything about this abuse because there's this side of them that we see that is so nice and so great. And then there's this awful dark side and we kind of go, well, Maybe they're just going through a rough time, or maybe this isn't who they are. And that's because they've spent, they've, they've invested time in grooming you into seeing that side of them so that you're easier to manipulate and confuse. Um, passive aggression is also another sign. Why is he telling her about the friend that he had a date with? And see, that's, here we go, like, buckle up because it's starting. He's telling her about a date that he's having with a friend of hers. And, oh, you know, when he told her, I I have a tendency to use really beautiful women to make myself feel better. Well, what does that mean? It's, this is what I mean by insidious. It's these tiny little things, little comments, little, little picks, little jabs that eventually weaken, weaken you. And that kind of passive aggression where he's, why would he tell her about a date? Because that's going to hurt somebody. Why would you do something that's going to hurt somebody? And if you're an adult, you know, telling somebody that you're dating, that you have a date, first of all, it's just stupid. (laughs) Just strategically, it's dumb. But emotionally, if you care about somebody, you don't want to hurt you. You don't want to hurt them. And finally, the big one, the biggest of all red flags. They make you wonder if you're crazy. They make you wonder, is it me? Am I seeing this correctly? Is this just, you know, like she says, is this just my history of abuse? Well, your history of abuse is definitely playing a part, but it it in no way created this. You know, you didn't, you didn't bring this on yourself. You're not. And, and when you have a history of abuse, here's the thing. We are hypervigilant. When you, survivors are hyper, hyper vigilant. So we sense things most people don't. We, we pick up on things most people don't because that's how we survived. That was how we protected ourselves. So when our guts, when, when our instincts, when, when something's going, the internal warning sign is, go, is going off inside, you have to listen to it. And even when you feel like, well, maybe, maybe I'm not right. Maybe 99.9% of the times you're right. But we've, again, remember for so long, we were told 
you know, we had people trying to play this down, playing the abuse down, telling us that it was in our heads or telling us that we're being too sensitive or let it go. And, you know, as usual, because that's what people do when they can't acknowledge that they didn't protect somebody, that they didn't defend somebody, that they didn't see it. See, because if they can deny it, if they can make you deny it and make you ignore it, then they can ignore it and they can deny it. Because nobody likes to admit that something like that happened right under their nose or that they knew that it was going on and they did nothing. So if you start wondering that if you're, if there's something wrong with you, that's the red flag because that means they have their hooks in you. And the next time uh, in, in a future podcast, we're going to talk about what to do once you figure out that you're in this kind of situation because it's not as easy as we'll just leave. It's not that easy. If it were, people would. But again, you know, she, pe people who are living with abusers or with abusers, those abusers have groomed them at, to the point where they don't know. They're so paralyzed with fear, with confusion. They don't know how to get out of it. And frankly, there's a risk and they're afraid and they're, and they're rightfully afraid in many cases. So um, in a future episode, we're going to talk about um, how to ext extricate yourself from a situation like this, what to expect in varying cases, because sometimes it, it just might be you have an ugly fight and that's it. And, you know, that's hopefully that, that, that is the extent of it. But sometimes some people just won't let go. Because how dare you, they're, they're, at the root of a, of a narcissist, at the root of any kind of bully is a coward, is somebody weak. And so to have somebody leave them, that, that, that wounds them to their very core. So they will, they will react. It'll be some, it could, to the point where it's, it could be rage. So we'll talk about um, how to extric extricate yourself from a situation, what to expect when you do, and how to minimize your risk. Because there is a risk. Once again, people, thank you for listening. If you have a question... Uh, please go to the website and click the submit a question button, womenologypod.com. There's a submit a question link at the top in the nav bar. All questions are anonymous and we'll either, uh, I'll either write a response on the site or I'll do a sort of mini, mini episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, at womenologypod and join the mailing list because you should, you just should. Thank you guys for listening. Like, like I said, Sarah will be back on the 23rd, and that's when we will resume regular episodes. But for, until then, I'll be recording uh, small minisodes to fill the space. And I want to acknowledge that we are going to get on a regular posting schedule starting after the 23rd. That's I know the inconsistency uh, isn't great. And we're aware of it. And it's just been, you know, because of my class and because this is this is a crazy time of year for her job, things have been very difficult timing-wise. But um, September is going to, uh, it's, it's going to lighten up. So, guys, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.